Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's Insight Assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Media Podcast Network. All right, everybody. It's Tuesday, March 29th, 2022, and it is a heck of a morning here on MMA Fighting, and we are live on the MMA Fighting Twitter spaces, and I am very happy about that as we welcome you to the very first edition of Heck of a Morning. I am Mike Heck. Hope you're all having a wonderful day, wonderful morning, although maybe afternoon where you're listening, depending on where you are around the globe, but you can pretend it is the morning if you like. Throw on your slippers, your bathrobe, but uh, this show is for the morning owls, for MMA fans, for fans of the sport, that we all love so much for the sport who has been tirelessly fighting, pun intended, to find their place in the sports world that is long to be mentioned with the likes of the NFL, the NBA, the NHL, Major League Baseball, all the major sports around the globe. And as everybody listening to this knows, the sport has grown exponentially over the last nearly three decades and beyond. But there's one thing that we haven't had and it's kind of irked me a little bit. I mean, the NFL has it, the NBA has a major league baseball. You go to various radio stations, various networks, they have their own shows, you know, the good morning footballs and the good morning NBAs, you know, not the exact titles, but you know where I'm getting at, but, but where's ours? Where's our show? Where's the MMA morning show? Anytime this sport is talked about in the mornings, it's on some type of television debate show featuring people who have no freaking idea what they're talking about. And it drives me insane. Where are the phone calls? Where are the MMA fans to get the, the, get the opportunity to let their voices be heard on a morning sports call-in show? Well, you have one now. So if you're up having breakfast, having coffee, going for a run, walking the dog, driving to work, what have you, this show is for you. And if you have something on your mind about mixed martial arts, you will have your voice heard on this program. And if it's a little bit too early for you, if you're just checking us out and you're like, holy 
crap, it's like three in the morning where I'm at. I can't listen to this whole thing. I get it. It may not be as interactive in that sense, but as soon as we are done here, the show will immediately or as soon as humanly possible make its way to the MA Fighting Podcasting Network. And then this show is going to happen three days a week, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. The plan will always be for it to go down at this time, 8 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Twitter spaces. Now, will there be times when the time changes or we have to mix things up for various reasons? Sure, but we hope it will not happen all that often. But I'm very excited about this show. I hope you are too. Let's get into this thing because it is MMA. We have some things to discuss and we'll take some calls in a, in a few moments. But I do want to head back to this Saturday because this is still been a pretty pretty good topic here ufc columbus what a night it was for curtis blades and i have to say in regards to curtis blades my tone has changed quite a bit now i've always said that curtis blades is a very effective fighter and in the world of ufc pay and two checks for 95 percent of the roster the wind show awfulness that is still going on in 2022 i've said it many times whether curtis blades went out there and landed 17 takedowns or went out there and bolted an opponent with ground and pound, or does what he did on Saturday to Chris Dacus in the main event, it is all about the win. It's all about getting that second paycheck. Curtis Blades, most of the time, when he fights his fight, he gets that second paycheck. Sometimes it's not aesthetically pleasing. Other times it's pretty damn violent. And heading into Saturday with the state of this heavyweight division, I didn't think there would be a world where Curtis Blades could change his divisional position in the UFC's eyes. And as most expected, Blades won the fight. And I thought, look, this guy might actually beat anybody that would be put in front of him in an interim title situation with Francis Ngannou on the sidelines. But the UFC would look elsewhere because of the narrative placed upon Curtis Blades. Doesn't necessarily light the world on fire with his promos and mic work, but this guy is a really good fighter. And on Saturday, most people thought he would go out there and he would and wrestle Chris Dacus to a state of exhaustion, maybe get a dominant decision win, maybe a late finish, but very few expected Curtis Blades to go out there and do what he did on Saturday. Absolutely devastated Chris Dacus with a big punch, dropped him, pounced, finished, and he gets a big win. And he was a massive favorite, Blades winning, with all due respect to Dawkins, was not surprising. But it was the way that he did it. And that's exactly what he needed to do. And in my opinion, Saturday could not have gone better for Curtis Blades. He got on the microphone. He had a name in mind, Cyril Gaon. Of course, Daniel Cormier gets in there and he's like, nah, man, that's cool. But see that guy over there, right there? No, 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 not there. He's right there. That's Stipe Miocic. What about him? How about you fight that guy? And knowing how the UFC broadcasts work, I will say this, I, I, I blame DC right off the bat in the post-fight show, but I also didn't take into account that somebody was probably in DC's ear telling him to do that, a producer or somebody else, but Stipe completely no-sells it. But to be positive, the seeds are planted. So heading into that event, to me, the UFC looked at things for this interim title fight in this way. Top option, Stipe versus John Jones. If we can get this done, this is what we're going to do. But we all know the history between these two guys in the UFC. Stipe's not fighting unless it's something that excites him and he gets treated with the respect that he deserves, which he absolutely 1,000% should do. Jones, a little bit of a different story, but with the same things in, in regards to the respect and whatnot. But also, John is not the most reliable guy, to put it lightly. 
And if they can do that fight, they will absolutely do that fight. And they should. Then, sort of in the on-deck position, to me, is Tai Tuivasa. And I've talked about this a number of times. What Tai Tuivasa has done lately has been ridiculous. He's knocking guys out. He's been fighting the right fighters at the right times. His personality is getting him over in a big way. He's doing shoeys and smashing beers. He's getting everyone smashing beers with him. Other fighters are doing what he does after big wins. This is tied to Ivasa, and he's becoming a star, and he's becoming a fighter where it doesn't matter who he fights. We're going to watch the hell out of it. At the same time, as dangerous as this man is with his hands and as fun as he is, I don't love his chances against the Curtis Blades of the world or the Tommy Aspinalls of the world. Cyril Gaon might be interesting, but I'd still favor Cyril Gaon in that fight. So to me, at this point, if you get any sort of opening to get tied to Ivasa into a title fight, you have to do it and you have to do it now because they have something here and you have to capitalize on it. And because Ty is so fun and exciting, if he goes into an interim title fight and loses, Guess what? Nobody cares. Nobody cares. We will give him props for days about that incredible run that he was on. And when he has his next matchup booked, we are in. We are absolutely in, much like the guy he just beat, Derek Lewis. But if he wins, if Tai Tuivasa goes into a title fight and becomes a champion, oh my gosh, what a freaking story that would be. So in the UFC's eyes, low risk, high reward. Same for Tuivasa being in that spot. Then after Ty, I'd probably put Tommy Aspidal next because the guy looks like a megastar coming out of that UFC London main event. That's the card that is definitely going to be on the shortlist for events of the year. And he might just be good enough to be the champion right now. I'd like to see them slow roll him a tiny bit, but he could be the guy. He could be the guy in this division. Then it was gone. Then it was Blades heading into Saturday. And I thought Blades couldn't improve his stock in this conversation no matter what. Now I'm not so sure. I think he's ahead of Gon in, in sort of like the, the baseball lineup of contenders, but he was super smart to call for the Cyril Gon fight. And furthermore, now you have Stipe in the back pocket. I hope he gets the Gon fight. I think that's the fight we will get. And if the UFC heads to France, heads to Paris, like is being sort of rumored and discussed right now, you do Gon's versus Blades in the main event, right? Come on. I mean, that's... That's perfect because Gon gets the hometown rub. Blades get to, gets to sort of expand on that massive chip on his shoulder. And who wouldn't want to go to freaking Paris, France? So great A night for Curtis Blades, in my opinion. But the way that, the way that I would book this division with Francis Ngannou on the shelf right now after the knee surgery, Jones versus Stipe, if you can't do that, Tai Tuivasa is the backup or the guy you slide in there. And I honestly wouldn't even book Ty in a fight unless it's for a title, interim or not. If the UFC does do Jones Stipe, Ty should get the winner. Then you do Blades versus Gone, and it's kind of a weird name to to take out of this equation because of what happened in London. But Tommy Aspinall is just throw him in there against anybody. It do it in the UK, a top ten heavyweight. Throw him in there with Derek Lewis, whoever. Let the man shine. Let him get some more experience. Let him get these big wins because when Tommy Aspinall fights for the UFC title, whether it be in a year, 18 months, 24 months from now, he's got a very good chance to win that fight. And the more experience he gets, the chances of him winning increases. So that's how I would book the division. For those listening right now, how would you book this division? What do you think? Jump in on the request line. Let me know. Shoot it in. Raise the digital hand. 
we'll take a few calls on this. How would you, after Curtis Blades went out there and defeated Chris Dawkins in the main event, second round TKO, how are you looking at this division right now? Are you still doing Jones Stipe? Has Curtis Blades done enough in your eyes to maybe sneak into that interim title fight? Where does Ty Tuivasa stand? Where does Tommy Aspinall stand? Again, send your request in. We'll get you on here, and we'll uh, discuss. All right, we got functionally crazy Chris coming on in here. I mean, this is the first call. This is the first call in the history of the show, functionally crazy Chris. How are you? I'm good, man. What's going on? How are you? Good. Um, you know, man, it's funny you asked that question. Um, it, it, with all the nonsense that John Jones has gotten into lately, uh, it's very hard to – stay a fan of his and then you kind of have that duality in your brain where you're like, now I kind of just want to see him get hit. Cause he was supposed, supposedly he's, you know, we all know the allegations and all that. Um, but that's the thing, right? He's one of the greatest of all time. He's putting on all this weight purposely for Nganu. We think um, it's just a little uh, discerning cause we don't know what's going to happen with Nganu or maybe I haven't done diligence and I don't, you know, I'm not sure what's been going on. I know he's out of surgery. Everything went well. You know, but where where are we at? I mean, is he even still with the UFC? Uh, I mean, so imagine Francis leaves the division. Then it's kind of like, well, we're back to Jones, Stipe, possibly Curtis Blades after that last performance. But, you know, we got Nganu learning wrestling now. And we already saw what happened between Blades and Nganu. So, you know, it's like, are we even... Ah, it's just hard, dude. I, honestly, with John Jones doing <laughs> everything he just did in the last six months, I feel like that fucked everything up. So, how would you book it? Like, if you had the if you had the mighty pencil right now, how would you book this division? Um, it only seems fair to do John Jones versus Stipe, uh, whether it's for an interim and all that nonsense. Uh, I don't know, man. I mean, look what Ty Tuivasa just did. It's tough, man. It's really tough. Um, I would honestly go with Jones versus Stipe because everybody wants to see that fight. I mean, you have the supposed greatest of all time heavyweight. Why wouldn't he fight the supposed greatest of all time light heavyweight while the champ is, you know, MIA? Um, Curtis Blades just called out Cyril Gaon, I'm pretty sure I read. I'm down for that fight. Um, but then you have the bangers like Derek Lewis and all these other people who are capable of these performances, but... You know, again, given what he just went through, it's like, where the hell are we with some of these guys? They were superstars, and now they're on either losing streaks or it's just wild, bro. Um, but isn't it crazy how John Jones being himself can literally, like, shake a division that he hasn't even fought in yet? I would agree with you, and thank you, Functionally Crazy Chris. This will go down in history. This is MMA trivia right here. So who was the first call in the history of a uh, heck of a morning? It's Functionally Crazy Chris. Yeah, he makes he makes a lot of interesting points. Where's Francis Ngannou? seven or eight months from now is he still in the is he still fighting in the ufc who knows i have a feeling that cooler heads will prevail and we will see him fight in the ufc again but now you have to figure out a way to make this division move forward and you have some options obviously stipe jones is the biggest fight you can make for an interim title the winner will probably fight francis but you still have tai tuivasa i think tai tuivasa if you could get him into any kind of a title fight you got to do it quick so if Stipe and Jones fight, let's just say they fight International Fight Week in July. Let's say they, they do it. Whoever wins that fight, you get Tai Tuivasa in there like three months later and give him his, his opportunity because the clock is ticking. If you don't get him in there now, you may not get another shot. Oh, no. Oh, no. It's Jed Mashu. Jed, how are you? Hey, Mike. First time, long time. 
really sad that I was not the inaugural call, but you know, sometimes you just can't beat functionally. I don't remember Chris functionally crazy, crazy Chris. Chris. There we go. Um, heck of a morning to you. Just wanted to give my two cents on the heavyweight title picture. Uh, it's absolutely garbage that the interim title will supposedly be fought for by Stipe and John Jones, two men who don't have a relevant UFC heavyweight win to their names combined. <laughs> the one current relevant heavyweight that Stipe has a victory over is Francis Ngannou, who we all remember how that happened the second time they fought. I recognize this won't happen, Mike, but if I if I had the power of the pin... I'm just going to go do the thing that's ob- like the most fun and obviously the best interim title fight between Tai Tuivasa and Tommy Aspinall. Like, I think Tommy <laughs> Aspinall made the right call out. Tai Tuivasa is a fun fight. Hell, do the interim title in England. That's fine. And like, both of these guys are the most fun people to put an interim belt on in the division. And, you know, they're also both reliable gentlemen who always show up and don't allegedly have spousal abuse problems or sit out for a year and a half because, gosh darn it, they deserve a title fight and they are not going to fight anybody else. So, you know, reward the guys who show up every day, who the fans like, and who also, you know, are picking up relevant heavyweight wins day after day. No, it's not going to happen. That's that's my two cents, Mike. You have a heck of a morning, bud. Hold on. Before okay. you go, if you're the guy booking this fight, where is this fight happening? Is it happening in the UK? Are we doing it in Ty's backyard? I don't I think mean, you can, right? It's interesting. You do it in Vegas? I don't do think you, do? you can do it in Ty's backyard, right? Like I'm, I'm not super up on the lockdown rules, but I feel like Oceana. It's better. Uh, is it? I, I'm honestly not certain i just know oceana's been very a lot tighter about it than most i think you can't have i think tommy aspinall should never fight outside of england again and that's just it i don't think ty would care <laughs> i feel like ty would be down to go to england especially if an interim belt's on the line like that seems and that's just good vibes so for sure All to right. me that's the most obvious fight to do it like people like both of these gentlemen just put them in a title fight together. Like, who cares? That's a great point. We will see what happens. Jed, you're the man. We'll see you. Uh, we'll see you at some point. Maybe on the ranking show. We'll, we'll be. Oh uh, yeah, going right? to be on the ranking show uh, that we're filming later or recording later today. So, otherwise, I'm about to go work out. You have a heck of a morning. You too, buddy. Jed Mishu, ladies and gentlemen. So. That is the heavyweight division, and there's a lot going on in the heavyweight division. It's very interesting. We will see what happens with John Jones and Stipe and Ty and Tommy Aspinall and Curtis Blades and Cyril Gaon and Francis Ngannou, the most interesting story of 2022, in my opinion. Will he stay with the UFC? Will he resign? Did we see D1 Ngannou at, like, in the final UFC fight of his career? Is he going to go box Tyson Fury? I know Tyson's talking about retirement, but you know he'll, he'll take that France and Ganu fight because free money, got to do it. 
Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. We'll see what happens. So we'll move on to birthdays in MMA. It is March 29th. We got a few of these bad boys, including top of the list. But before we do that, let's get we'll get Raymond in here first. Then we'll get to birthdays. Raymond, how are you? No, he's gone. All right, never mind. If you want to try again, try again. But birthdays that baby. Donald Cowboy Cerrone, ladies and gentlemen, is 39 years of age. Happy birthday, Cowboy. He will face Joe Lozon, UFC 274, Phoenix, Arizona. Very interesting matchup. Will it be? The last fight for Cerrone will it be the last fight for Lozon. Will it be the last fight for both guys. I spoke to Joe Lozon. He said he's he's approaching this fight just like he did the Jonathan Pierce fight. No decision made. We'll see how it goes. If it goes well, he'll stay. If it doesn't go well, he'll have a decision to make. So happy birthday to Cowboy Cerrone. Remember Chase Beebe? If you're a WEC mark and used to watch WEC events. He was a former WEC Bantamweight champion. Chase Beebe, 37 years old today. How about that? Cody Durden, UFC flyweight. We just saw him compete on the UFC London card. Unfortunately, it didn't go well for him. He got knocked out by Muhammad Mahayev very quickly or submitted by Muhammad Mahayev very quickly with, after the flying knee. He is 31. And Colby Northcutt, one championship fighter, the sister of Sage Northcutt, is... 29 years of age. So happy birthday to all of all of you. We're going to open up the lines to more of a free-for-all for the final segment of the debut show. But March 29th, not a lot has happened in the mixed martial arts history on March 29th. There's, I don't, I, I looked through it and I could be wrong. And if I am, please correct me for all you statistical wizards out there. But I don't think there's ever been a UFC event on March 29th. Ever. Because I looked through the archives. I mean, it wasn't a truly diligent look back into the archives, but I don't think there's ever a UFC event on March 29th. So nothing there. Bellator, there was one event a couple of years ago. Uh, Brandon Grice against Sadawad was the main event of that one. Fine. But the most significant thing that happened on March 29th in the history of MMA was March 29th, 2008. Strikeforce, as they did many, many times, held an event in beautiful, scenic, San Jose, California. This card was headlined by Kung Lee versus Frank Shamrock. And it was a crazy night. It was a crazy night. It was a crazy fight. If you're bored and you're like, what would be a fun fight to go watch? Go out of your way to to watch this fight or rewatch this fight between Kung Lee and Frank Shamrock. It was just a crazy fight. The third round is wild because Shamrock drills Kung Lee with, with a big shot. And Lee was wobbled, and he's in big trouble, and Shamrock's trying to battle back, and he's getting super tired, his mouthpiece keeps falling out, and he's just trying to land these shots, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Kung Lee lands this ferocious, like, roundhouse kick that 
just it looks like it rocked Frank Shamrock, but actually broke his arm. Like the kick breaks his arm, and Shamrock just kind of falls back in the cage, and Lee just starts battering him until until the round ends. And of course, Frank Shamrock has a broken arm, so he ain't gonna be able to keep fighting. So the fight was stopped due to the injury, and Kung Lee became the Strike Force middleweight champion. So that's what happened 14 years ago. Strike Force. Lee versus Shamrock. Kung Lee becomes the middleweight champion. What a crazy fight. If you haven't watched it, definitely go check that out. If you have watched it, it may be a while since you since you have watched it. So go back, check that out. And happy anniversary to Kung Lee becoming the Strike Force middleweight champion. So we're going to open things up. Uh, more of a free-for-all. So if you guys want to jump in, you have any thoughts, any questions about the sport of mixed martial arts, hop right on in here. I do want to go to... Instagram real quick because I did get a message, something that I did want to to break down because someone actually reached out. Uh, This was Dax from Instagram reached out and said, hey, Mike, can you please talk about this insane move by the UFC to book Sean Strickland versus Pajeda in an obvious number one contender fight on the first episode of your morning show? So that's we'll we'll do that right now because – in case you missed it, on Saturday, we confirmed a report from ESPN that at UFC 277, July 30th, big middleweight fight between Sean Strickland and the right now unranked Alex Pajeda. And we know that Alex Pajeda has a history with the current champion, Israel Adesanya. I mean, anytime this guy fights, you know it's being brought up. It's being discussed. He's got the two wins over Adesanya. He's got the knockout win over Adesanya. You know what the UFC is trying to do here. So third fight in to his UFC run, he's getting a fight with Sean Strickland, who is just on a tear right now and is looking for a big fight. Him and Paul Costa have been going back and forth. We're wondering, are they going to try to book that fight? I'm not surprised they didn't book it. First of all, the build to that fight would just be horrendous. I mean, maybe it's fun for some of you and you like that stuff, but the build to that fight, the trash talk would just be Absolutely awful. I would have hated every second of it. Plus, I think Paul Costa is not going back to 185. I think he should fight at 205, and that's what you should do with him at this point. I think he should go in there. I know Iwan Kutalaba is booked against Ryan's fan, but you book Paul Costa against Iwan Kutalaba, and how much fun will that fight be? But going back to Strickland versus Pajeda, a lot of people th- are kind of puzzled by this. I am not surprised by this booking at all. From a meritocratic standpoint, it makes no sense whatsoever. If we're going by rankings and numbers, if we're going by if we're going by Bellator booking, this fight makes absolutely no sense at all. But from a business standpoint, what you're trying to do in order to make this division flourish, trying to make the biggest fights possible, while you have Adesanya at this division before he's eventually going to move up to 205 because he's talked about it before, I think this fight makes all the sense in the world. I like the matchmaking a lot. I have a feeling we're going to see D1 Sean Strickland in this fight because that would be the smart thing to do because Alex Pajeda could just absolutely crack. We all know this. I like the matchmaking. And it's pretty clear to me that whoever wins this fight is going to fight whoever the champion is next. I don't know this for a fact. I have no insight to this at all. But you have to assume that the UFC will probably be looking at Adesanya Cannoneer for the same card because in my mind, this is the number one contender fight. If we're doing a press conference, we want to try to get all these guys up on stage at the same time, try to plant some seeds for a future fight. So I'm fine with it. No issue with it whatsoever. It's super interesting. Maybe you 
maybe you just crush Alex Pajeda as a title contender right off the bat, but who knows? Maybe he goes out there and just knocks out Sean Strickland or beats Sean Strickland. It's a three-round fight. It's not a five-round main event or anything, so I think it's worth the risk, and if, if Pajeda wins, you get to tell the story as many times as you want about the kickboxing do the the two kickboxing fights and the two wins over the champion like you could build this up and try to turn Pajeda into a monster in the build and then Adesanya gets to try to get some revenge and yeah and if Strickland wins you do the Strickland fight the build to that fight might not be tremendous either but it is what it is uh let's go to Mr. Triple Stripes jumping on in here good morning Triple Stripes make sure you unmute Triple stripes, you there? Yeah, can you hear me? Yes. What's going on? What's man? going on, man? Uh, so next week we got Burns and Chemaev. Um, so I was watching yesterday on Chemaev's uh, YouTube channel, and if you haven't checked out his content, you should. It's super awesome. Quality is great as well. Um, but something I noticed about him is just like his work ethic is so crazy, um, and he kind of seems to motivate and inspire everybody on his team to push hard as well. And I thought Chamayev was a little bit overhyped, you know, going into this fight. But after watching those videos on his channel and seeing what his regimen looks like, what his mentality is like, what the people around him are like, I kind of feel like he has a chance of walking through Burns, as crazy as that sounds. What do you think? I mean, it's it's very possible. This guy looks pretty real to me. I'm trying to find, I don't know why it's not here. I'm trying to find where the betting odds are for this fight right now because I think Shamayev is actually a really big favorite. But I'm curious to see how big of a favorite if he is he. Well, it's not showing up on like any of this. Oh, there it is. Hamza Shamayev right now, according to DraftKings, is a minus 510 favorite over Gilbert Burns, and the comeback on Gilbert Burns is plus 375. I think Hamza is the real deal. I, I, I truly believe that. It took a minute. I mean, I, I always wanted the UFC to put him in these kinds of fights like right off the bat. As soon as he got that first win, these are the kinds of fights, especially after the second win, when he got the two wins in, in a week and a half or whatever it was. Like, these are the kinds of fights that I wanted, like right out right out the gate for him, just to see how good he was, because he's one of those special guys. You could kind of see it. And then the Lee Jing Liang fight, you're just you just look at it and you're like, oh my God, this guy right. is a terror. But do you agree with these betting lines? Minus 510. Hamza Chimaev hasn't fought a ranked guy yet in That's... his octagon career. He's fighting a guy who just fought for the title 13 months ago and was seconds away from beating Kamara Usman and becoming the <laughs> champion. And Chimaev is a minus 510 favorite over this man. Yeah, so that's where I'm kind of stuck, right? Because Reese McKee, uh, John Phillips, Legion, all of those guys, they're good guys. They're not bad and they've had success in their own right. But Burns is you know, another planet away from those guys. And if Hamzat can walk in there and do what he's done to those guys, to Burns, I don't know, man. I think I think Usman or Leon Edwards, whoever's the champ at the time, is going to have their hands full. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a super interesting fight. So we'll see, man. I'll be there. I'll be there with – I'll be there live. So I'm looking forward to seeing what we uh, – what we have in store. Thank you, Triple Stripes. Appreciate you jumping in. Uh, UFC 273, since you're talking about that, took a little, it got a little bit of a change yesterday. Uh, we found out that Nasserdine Imavov had visa issues. He will not be fighting Kelvin Gastelum. 
The UFC, when they made this announcement, said the fight is canceled altogether. You're supposed to fight Kelvin Gastelum. And then they replaced it with the rebooking of the fight. We were supposed to get this past Saturday, UFC Columbus, between Alir Latifi and Alexi Olenek. That fight is happening at UFC 273. But Kelvin Gastelum just took to Twitter last night, a little after 11 p.m. Eastern time, and said, we found a fighter to fill in last minute now. I will say this, Phil Haas did jump on my social media and say, and raise his hand. I don't know if that's the fight. No idea. But it looks like Calvin Gaslam is going to stay on this card. Against who? We don't know yet. But we'll, we'll, we'll find out. Let's get to Christopher here on heck of a morning, 8.30 Eastern. Hope you're all having a wonderful day. Christopher, how are you? Yeah, not bad, dude. Hello from the UK. It's half one in the afternoon. Um, there you go. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, yeah, first and foremost, loving the show, loving the format. Um, we had a chance to speak on the last card, so it was my first time talking, so it's my second time, so happy days. Um, yeah, I think the first thing I wanted to talk about, and pretty much the only thing, is the flyweight division. Um, so on Twitter, there's been a lot of debate about how would DJ do right now in the flyweight division? How would Horiguchi do? How would Pettis do? And I guess I kind of just want to ask you like what is your opinion how would those three guys fare in the current state of the ufc flyweight division that's a great question um so we're with pettis horaguchi and dj yeah. in the current flyweight division yeah i think pettis and horaguchi are better served at 35 right now and i think dj is probably the same but let's just say like these guys are 25 yes let's say let's let's put them in that position I think DJ hangs with a lot of guys. I think Horiguchi can hang with a lot of guys. The one I would be concerned about is Pettis because we've seen it. We've seen him fight at, at 25 in the UFC. And he's gotten some good wins, certainly. But could he beat Brandon Moreno right now? Could he beat Davis and Figueredo right now? Could he beat this version of Kai Kara France right now? That's interesting. And even on, on to the next one, I said, like if we were booking for Kai Kara France and we could somehow trade back for dj because it, especially if the ufc is doing this fourth fight which it, apparently they are between figgy and moreno do kai car friends versus demetrius johnson like that would have been like that would be perfect opportunity for that because kai has talked about he's not in a giant rush to get to a title fight he feels like he's the guy he's willing to be the backup if, if one of those guys can't make it davis of is going on twitter saying that he's Bumping Moreno for Kai Car France. I don't think that's going to happen, but good for trying. But that would be the perfect time. Like Kai Car France versus Demetrius Johnson would be super interesting. I think that would be the fight to make, but not possible. But I think they would do okay. I just don't know if they're better than the top three guys in this division right now. It's close. It's a good, good question. Yeah, man. Sounds good. <laughs> All right. Thanks, man. Cheers, dude. All right. There's Christopher. Always a good caller. So uh, we'll kind of do a two-minute warning here if you want to jump in have at it if not all good but we're trying to figure out what's going on with calvin gaston looks like he's still going to be on the card so right now ufc 273 if we are to believe mr calvin gaston we'll have it started the day with 13 fights because we lost one and maybe got one back so it looks like Cal so we're gonna have fourteen fights with Gaslam versus TBD. We'll see. All right, let's take a couple more calls here. We'll get Artem's Reach. What's up, Artem's Reach? 
Are you there, Adam's Reach? Oh, she got on mute. About there you, you go. Hear me? Yes. What's so going I have on? an unpopular MMA opinion that I want to air out. I, I work with Jed Mishu, so I hear him all the time. <laughs> Basically, I think Yuri Prohashka, I think he's super exciting, but I still think he has like somewhat of a fraudulent run um, to the title. Seeing as Reyes is coming off of a KO loss to Jan, uh, he was called out by Rockage so many times, and he just waited uh, you know, in the whims. He could have fought Rockage on the uh, Glover Jan card. He wanted to just be the replacement. What are your thoughts on Yiri's claim and his run, two-fight run, to a UFC title? Wow. Arms reach. Thank you, sir. Fraudulence is a big powerful word that i don't necessarily agree with i mean these are the, the dominic reyes fight i think is one of the more un, underrated fights ever that was my fight of the year that was my knockout of the year when we did the ma fighting awards that fight was ridiculous absolutely insane and if you are a newer fan like if you started watching the ufc like in the summer of last year and you have not seen that fight between yuri prohashka and dominic reyes you need to go watch that fight because it's absolutely bananas. Yuri Prohashka delivered one of the scariest knockouts you will ever see in your life. It was one of those knockouts where you were you were like, wow, this Yuri's guy's the real deal, but you were so concerned for Dominic Reyes. I thought for a second that he killed him. That's how ferocious this spinning back elbow knockout is. It's absolutely insane. The whole fight is insane because Dominic Reyes had – Yuri hurt too. And then Yuri comes back and battles through the adversity and gets one of the best knockouts of the year. So, of course, Yuri perhaps is getting ready to challenge Glover Teixeira for the light heavyweight title in June. And I've said this many times, and I'm going to stand by it the entire way. Yuri perhaps is not going to win that fight. I think Glover Teixeira is going to win that fight. And I think Glover Teixeira is going to end the year as the light heavyweight champion. I know it on paper, a lot of you think I might be crazy for saying that, but I, I, I think... Glover just needs to take him down once. I think Glover just needs to take him down one time because Dominic Reyes took him down, got on top of him. If Glover takes him down, even if he's training a fight ready, even if he's training with, in my opinion, one of the coaches of the year in Henry Cejudo right now, if Glover gets you down and gets on top of you, you're not getting back up, and the fight's going to be over not long after that. So Perhashka can knock Glover out. There's a very good chance he wins that fight. But to me, Glover just needs one takedown. He's not going to play with that kind of fire. And the first chance he gets, he's going to take him to the ground. So we'll see what happens. But I don't think it's fraudulence. I think that's that's a little too strong. He's got two good wins. The Reyes win is is great. We got to see him battle through some adversity. This is the fight to make. I'm I'm fine with it. And fraudulent is just not the right word. Uh, we'll bring in Abraham. Hi, Dana. Hi, how are you doing? Dana, how um, are you? I have a question about the heavyweight division. Sure. Um, there are rumors about uh, interim title shot. Who do you give, like, what, in your opinion, what's the fight made, to make? Uh, thank you, Abraham. I mean, if, if I'm the UFC, we're looking at John Jones versus Steve Miocic. That's that's the fight you make. If you can do it, you do it. If not, let's just say you only get Stipe. Stipe's in, John Jones is being John Jones, and he's like, nah, dude. I want $48 million to fight for an interim title. And the UFC can't come to terms with him. You do Stipe versus Tai Tuivasa. Or, you know, if you get Jones and you can't get Stipe, you do John Jones versus Tai Tuivasa. Either way, 
those are the two guys, and Tai Tuivasa is on deck because you got to give Tai Tuivasa an opportunity the first chance you get. Uh, we'll take two more calls. Let's get Dax in here with the two thumbs up. I, is, I don't know if this is the same Dax that submitted on Instagram, but maybe it was. Dax hey, Mike. Um, it is the same. Uh, just a quick question. What are the odds that Nate Diaz gets his wish in his tweet and the UFC releases him before another fight? What are the odds? Uh, what are the odds that he gets released? Yeah, before he gets. Uh, oh, sorry about that. Before he gets his last fight. So I think I think what you're asking was the odds Diaz gets his wish and he gets released. The odds, <laughs> um, plus seventy-seven million, like that. Those are the odds. There's no chance the UFC is going to release him. This is just. I, I can't add much to what Ariel said to begin the MMA hour. I, I really can't. So if you haven't listened to it, go on our YouTube channel. Listen, it's like a seven minute clip of, of Ariel talking about the situation. He I couldn't have said it any better. So if you can't say it, just don't say it. Because he did a great job doing that. And it's stupid. The way the UFC handles this kind of stuff is is horrendous. You don't see this in any other kind of sport. You only see it in the UFC. It's just dumb. Like, it's just dumb. If the guy, like, if, if he doesn't want to fight for you, you're making all this money. Yeah, Nate's a star. Just just let him freaking go. Like, book him in a fight or let him go. Like, if you're that great and you think you can keep him, then book him a fight, let him fight. And if he leaves, so so what? He goes somewhere else. Goes and fights Jake Paul. Like, it's not going to kill your business if Nate Diaz leaves the UFC. It's a, it's a shot, no doubt about it. it it's, it's a punch in the arm, and that punch in the arm is going to hurt a little bit. But it's not going to cripple your business if Nate Diaz goes to Bellator or goes to PFL or goes to one or goes and goes to boxing and boxes Jake Paul. Like that's that's not going to hurt your business. It's not going to hurt your business. So either let let him fight or let him go. Enough's enough. It's stupid. Is this uh my man Stevie Ray? Stevie Ray. How you doing, mate? Good to see. Up and coming. Is this the up-and-coming MMA encyclopedia? <laughs> Hopefully, mate. What's Hopefully. up, man? Good to speak to you again, mate. Yeah, what's going on? Uh, nothing much, mate. I was just wondering uh, your opinions on the fight between Charles Oliveira and Justin Gaethje at UFC 274. Ooh. And as well as that, I was wondering if you could give us your opinion on a... I seen a tweet. It's kind of a thread going around recently, a while back, on people arguing who's higher in the pound-for-pound rankings, Piotr uh, Jan or Colby Covington. And obviously... We all know it's Peter Yan, but what's kind of your opinions on that as well? <laughs> uh, great question. Uh, so the first question, I mean, come on, Oliver Gaethje rules. I can't wait for that fight. Very intrigued by it. My gut is telling me to favor Charles Oliveira right now, but Gaethje is so chaotic that it makes things so interesting. But that is a really fascinating fight. There's a lot of fights that I'm looking forward to this year. That might be at the top of the list as we speak, so I'm really looking forward to that. Pound for pound, I hate these. I hate these conversations. I really hate them because it it just it just depends on how you view pound for pound. There's so many different ways you could view it. You could view it as, "What have you done for me lately?" You could view it as, "Like if these guys fought each other, who would win?" I think Jan. Clear, Jan is the more complete fighter, obviously, because he could do it all. He could do the takedowns. His wrestling's getting better. His takedown defense has actually gotten better. 
His offensive wrestling has improved a lot. The striking's tremendous. Like he does so many things well, but does what Colby what Colby does so well is does that negate everything that Piotr Jan does? Because Usman, I mean Usman's so good, and you have to think right now like maybe Shamayev is, is is a different level, but I would favor Colby to beat anybody in this division besides Usman. Shamayev's an interesting one. I don't know, man. That's a really good question. I hate these pound for pound debates. It's just a matter of if Colby, if if we got like 170 Jan and Colby started chaining takedowns on him, Jan's probably going to get tired, but Jan might be able to stay on his feet. So that'd be the big question. Can Piotr Jan stay on his feet if they ever fought each other? If we ever got like a a welterweight version of Covington versus Jan. But I think Jan, if, if the question is who's the better, more complete fighter, I would say Jan is the better, more complete fighter, but Colby's not. Colby's not far behind, if, if we're being honest. We're getting some uh, some requests, so let's keep uh, keep this party going. We've got uh, Master Rosvan. I think that's what... Right? Master, how are you? <laughs> Master. What's going on? Can you hear me? You there. I had you. All right, if you want to try again, try again. Uh, let's get Smith underscore Irwin. Hashtag T-O-B-S. Are you there? Let's get on mute. Hey, Mike, how you doing? Good, how are doing you? Doing right, doing right. So my question is, what to do with Hamza Chimaev? Like, if he goes on to win the title against Kamaru, do you have him fight? easy right away or you make him do his trip throughout the middleweight division uh thank you sir yeah great question if Hams, i mean hamza's got to be gilbert burns first and i think he will be gilbert burns but it's a tough fight it's a tough fight. i can't believe he's a minus 510 favorite in this fight mind-boggling but he has done so much to sort of warrant that kind of a line but yes, I will say this. If he goes out and beats Gilbert Burns and does it impressively, a lot of people are saying that he should fight Colby, number one contender fight, what have you. And sure, you could do that, and people would watch the hell out of it. But you have to put him in a title fight. Like if Usman, we, we imagine Kamar Usman is going to fight Leon Edwards, but that fight is not official yet. Penn has not hit paper. So if I, and I'll say this again. If you are Leon Edwards and his management team, you get this fight announced tomorrow because you do not let Hamzat Chamaya fight Gilbert Burns before this fight is official. Because I don't think the UFC, I, I don't think they will do this, but if you leave the door open at all, at all, to sneak Hamzat into a title fight with, with Kamar Usman, it's not out of the realm of possibility. It just isn't. So if you are Leon Edwards and his team, you are trying to get that ink to dry as quickly as possible. I, otherwise, Hamzat fights the winner of that fight, which you, you probably go with Kamara Usman. He's going to be the, the the heavy favorite in that fight. You do Usman versus Shemaev. I don't know if he goes right up to 185 and fights Izzy. You could do that if you wanted to and just strike where the iron's hot, where the iron is hot. But you could also do the Colby fight for the title. Like that could be his first title defense. He goes and fights Colby, and and there you go. 
And who knows what's going to happen with Colby and what's going to happen with Mazdal. There's a lot of unanswered, a lot of unanswered questions, a lot of unknowns, but I think Shemaev will get his chance to fight for the second title. I just don't think it'll be that quick, but we'll see what happens. I could be completely wrong. The UFC just shoots him to the moon. Maybe fights for the middleweight title. Hell, maybe he fights for the light heavyweight title as well. Let's see if we can get uh, Razvan back in here. It's connecting. We're trying. The wheel is spinning. Big bucks, big bucks, no whimmies, no whimmies. All right, try one more time. All right, we'll take two two last ones. Triple stripes, you're back. What's hey, up? so I wanna I wanna talk about Sugar Sean O'Malley real quick because I feel like this man is he has so much hype, um, so many eyes on him. He talks such a big game, but he he kind of refuses to fight the top level guys and lets his dominant cruise. Um, and I'm looking at the rankings. Ricky Simone is ranked 12th. Ricky Simone has called him out various times. Um, is that a fight, do you think, uh, that gets made? Or do you think he fights somebody who's unranked, like uh, Mohamed Makayev or Saeed Nurmagomedov, one of those guys? I feel like all of those are tough challenges for him, and we haven't really seen much uh, from Sugar as far as fighting, you know, co uh, ranked competition or guys that you look at and say, wow, that's going to be a tough fight. Other than Cheeto, what do you think? Yes, John O'Malley is uh, an interesting case. I saw Mohamed Bahayev call him out. Bill will never make that fight just because, one, Mahayev's not even in the same division. And you don't want to – you're having two guys that you're trying to build into future champions from two different divisions fight each other. doesn't make a lot of sense. Good on Mahayev for keeping his name in, in the headlines. Good on him. Uh, but that fight doesn't happen. Uh, Saeed Nurmagomedov absolutely does not happen in a million years unless it's for the title. Sean O'Malley doesn't want that smoke, and why would he want that smoke? That's a terrible idea if he says yes to that fight. He has called out Pedro Munoz. I think that is a fight that could happen. I'm surprised they didn't try to book him on this 274 card in Arizona in his hometown, but maybe – the UFC is just going to save him for July, save him for that international fight week car, which doesn't really surprise me. But he called out Munoz. I like that call out. The Cruz fight I don't think happens. I think Cruz will either fight Aldo or Edgar. But O'Malley versus Munoz, usually when O'Malley asks for something, he gets it. But I, I give O'Malley all the credit in the world for, for how he's handled his career and has handled himself. And, you know, he's kind of changed the way a lot of fighters think about development and pay and all that stuff. And I mean, look at Patty Pimblett, Patty Pimblett. He's like, I ain't fighting a ranked guy unless you pay me more. And that's the way it should be. So good on, good on him. Get the, get the Pedro fight. I think he would have a good chance to win that fight. So, all right. Two last quick ones. Uh, functionally crazy. Chris, get you back in here. Maybe perhaps. All right. All right, try one more time. All right, let's see if we can get Raymond. <laughs> um, oh, there you go. Yeah, I'm fucking driving to work, bro. That's on. Um, you mentioned the last name that I wanted to see what your input was. Masvidal. I mean, where are we now with him? I mean, we all know the losses he's come off of. I mean, Colby's a ridiculously good wrestler, but we all knew how that was probably going to go down. And then he does this crazy shit outside the restaurant, whatever, Mr. Big Bad Miami. I mean, 
he, I would assume that that definitely hurt his stock pulling that bitch move outside the restaurant. Again, I don't know all the ins and outs of the trash song and blah, blah, blah. It's irrelevant. I feel like at this point, well, what happens to Masvidal? And my other question to you real quick was what the hell happened to fucking Alex Gustafson, man? He was one of my favorite fighters. The mauler does this heavyweight debut loses and gone. <laughs> That's just, I just wanted to bring those two up to you, bro. All right. Uh, thank you, sir. The, the Mazdal thing, it's it's hard to even say because we don't know what's going to happen. I know he's scheduled to head back into court. I believe it's April 21st. So it could be, who knows? I got continues to tell me, and maybe it doesn't happen. Maybe Mazdal's like, nah, dude, I'm not going to give him the rub. But I, like before the charges were pressed, I was convinced we were heading towards a rematch. It was a, it was a fight that nobody really wanted to see a second time after seeing it the first time. But after this whole you know, fight on the street and the, the attack him in Miami thing, the mean streets of Miami beach. I thought for sure that this was the direction we were going to try to go. But now with the charges being filed and all that stuff, I don't know. We'll see. It's got to go through the courts and everything, but we already know what the answer is going to be to this question. When Dana White starts doing the media, he's going to be asked about this by every single person that he does an interview with. And he's going to say the same thing. Look, we got 700 crazy assholes on the roster Sometimes things like this happen. That's the answer we're going to get. What it does for Mazadal and his career and who he would fight, I don't know. But let's just say charges are dropped and Mazadal is free and clear. I still think there's money to be made with this Colby fight if they could do it. But if not, I like the Wonder Boy idea. I think that's that's a fine fight. And you have the NMF versus the BMF. We get to take Mazadal away. Like literally the opposite of a Colby fight build. Throw him in there with Wonder Boy. It's going to be super friendly and fun and all that stuff. As far as Gustafson goes, fear not. May 21st, he is back, back at the heavyweight division. He's, supposed to, he's, and he's going to fight Big Ben Rothwell. So there you go. For the Alex Gustafson fans out there, you're going to see him soon, it looks like. So all right, let's try to get Ravzan back in here, and then we'll take one more. You guys rule. I didn't think we'd be taking this many calls, but here we are. Come on, Ravzan. I don't know why we're having such a problem here. I see Ray Janelle here. If you need to buy a house, you know who to go to, okay? It ain't me. Go to Ray Janelle. He'll take care of you. All right, let's get Wally in here. Wally. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Good. Hey, so here's my question. I'm starting to think in the 205 division that Jan Blachowicz is done. I don't think he's going to get the title back. Do you think there's a way for him to go back and get the title with the people that are out there now? Interesting question. Wow. A lot of, a lot of 205, uh, a lot of 205 hate today. Not hate, but maybe uh, some, some big words here. Jan Blachowicz done? I don't think so. He's supposed to be fighting Alexander Rakic. Five-round main event. I believe we're going to do that in May. Not official yet, but I think it's being targeted. Yeah, I mean, listen, if you're obviously if Yuri, if Jan Blachowicz beats Rakic and Yuri Prohaska becomes the champion, Jan will fight Yuri Prohaska. It just seems like that's what they'll do. So I don't think he's done. I don't think he's out of the title punts at all, but he's got to win his next fight and Yuri's got to win. They're not going to run it back with Glover right away. But I don't know. I don't think he's done. 
All right, final word going to the man, the myth, the legends. One half of the BTL grudge match on Thursday. A little breaking news for you. You know him from the MMA Hour, Mr. New York Rick. Hello, Eric. Good morning. Good morning, Mike. Heck of a morning. Uh, great debut show. <laughs> First time, long time. Have one question for you. Uh, where does Hamza Shamayev and Darren Till rank in the all-time MMA bromances? I'm going to hang up and listen. Thank you, New York Rick. Uh, it's got to be up there. If the if there is not a UFC fight pass show at least in the next six months between those two guys, then the UFC is just terrible at their jobs. You have to milk this thing for all it's worth. There better be a week's full of content between these two guys in Jacksonville, Florida, because I love it. I love every second of it. And I loved, <laughs> I loved the MMA hour drop-in where Hamzat just kept asking for money. I mean, these two guys just help each other out in, in so many different ways. Like Hamzat's going to make Darren Till a better fighter. He's going to make him a more driven and more determined fighter. And Darren Till is going to take his personality and take those little nuggets that we love about him so much and drop them into Hamzat's brain. It's just, I mean, those two guys, this is a, a, a combination that nobody ever thought we'd see. And now that we have it, I never want to see anything else. I never want to see anything else. I want just, they should have a daily show. Jose, how are you? What's up, man? I'm all the way in New England, oh. and you're not here. What's happening? I know. I'm like 14 hours Tom away Fuller. from you. What's I going on? Ask, How's it's cold, man. It's about 15 degrees, and the windshield just cut my skin in half when I walked outside. Don't miss this whatsoever. <laughs> it was a nice, balmy 95 in Arizona when I flew all the way out here. But I flew out here to Rhode Island just for the heck of a morning, and I realized you're not even here. It's kind of tomfoolery. I'm not going to lie. Well, I'm sorry. It's it's 65 degrees where I'm yeah, at right now. I'll trade so you. I'm not gonna. I'm not I'll gonna trade you. Back, so. Anyway, how I'm unrelated to MMA. How many games the Red Sox winning this year, and why is it 117? I'm gonna hang up and listen. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna give a. I was gonna give a number that I thought was going to be probably too high, but I wasn't gonna say 117. Uh, I think the Sox will win a solid 94 games make the playoffs and uh and have a good run i think this this group is is going to be good but ladies and gentlemen we are done the first show is in the books i didn't think we'd even go this long but you guys absolutely rule so thank you very much for for jumping on here the debut of heck of a morning and the beauty of this show is we're going to be here three days a week so we'll be back on thursday we'll be back on friday we're going to do exactly the same thing we'll have a little topic of the day We'll do the birthdays, we'll do the history, and we'll do all this different stuff. We're going to have ourselves an MMA community morning show because it's not done anywhere else. There's no... You listen to the radio, you go on television, there's no morning show. We deserve this. And maybe I'm not the guy to bring this into the future, but I'm the guy that's at least going to get this thing started because we deserve it. We have worked our asses off for this, and we deserve to have our voices heard by, by you guys, the fans, the people who are knowledgeable about the sport, not going on a national debate show where you talk about the MMA with guys who have no idea what they're talking about. So this is for you guys. We'll see you on Thursday. And if you're just listening right now and you're like, what the hell happened in the previous 45 minutes? Don't worry. In a matter of uh, in a matter of moments, probably in the next 30 minutes or so, this will be up on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. Some bells and whistles. The podcast ones in particular, some bonus coverage. Not today, but... There could be an interview or two that, that have been done that will add into the podcast show. So 
first show in the books. We're trying to get our sort of feet under us and appreciate all of you jumping on and, and taking part in the program and, and jumping in, especially especially the real estate mogul, Mr. Ally Quinta, an honor to have you here, sir. So thank you all very, very much for, for checking out the program, going to the podcast network in a matter of moments. Thank you all. Have a heck of a morning. Enjoy the rest of your day. Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.